same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then it goes on from there. I'm sure most of us know the story. Uh, Good news of great joy. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. Joy is the candle today. And I don't know about you, but there are... um, this may be unique to me, I don't know, but there are words that I use in my vocabulary that if you pressed me for a definition of them, I probably wouldn't be able to define them. I use them, I act like I know what they mean, but if you said, hey, could you, I mean, what's that really, define that for me, I would say, I, I'm not really sure. And as I was preparing for this week and I looked at the word joy, I mean, we think we know what joy means, right? Oh yeah, it's joy, like, yay, it's, it's joy. And then I started thinking, well, well, what does that really mean? And I started to stumble a little bit. So this is kind of fun. Um, and this passage here is obviously very familiar. And there are other passages that talk about joy and this, this great joy. And so the, the question that I want to put before you to kind of keep behind us, I want you to think about something that you have anticipated, something that you have waited for expectantly like our, our our kids right now are waiting expectantly <laughs> for next monday uh in, in some cases they're actually waiting expectantly for friday when they don't have to go to school anymore for a couple of weeks but there's this anticipation that goes into it right I mean, what have you what have you waited expectantly for for a, a lengthy period of time so think about, you know, obviously, you know, birth of a child, right? So there's nine months and you're doing all this stuff in the meantime and you're, you're getting things ready and you're expecting, we even call it expecting, right? So there's this whole process of like, oh, we're expecting, we're expecting, it's building up and it's building up and we're waiting, we're waiting. And then one day it happens and, it's, and, 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 and we don't have to expect anymore because it's here. And, and it can be any number of things, right? But that's what I want to what I want to put out there is that this is where joy comes from. Like unless there is this expectant, hopeful waiting, you don't get to experience joy. You might experience happiness, right? Because that's the word that we kind of use interchangeably with joy. Like, what's the difference between joy and happiness? Well, I don't know. But I think part of it, at least in how we're using the word joy in the story of the coming of Jesus, is that part of that distinction between happiness and joy is this idea of expectantly waiting for something. Right? Like if you just surprise me with a gift out of the blue, I'll be happy. Right? Oh, wow. Thank you. That's really kind. But... I may not be experiencing joy because I was not anticipating it in the first place. I didn't know this was coming. You just kind of surprised me out of the blue. And chocolate chip cookies would be preferable in this context if you should choose to surprise me out of the blue. I, yeah, that would be a great surprise. So, but then it would make me very happy. But I would not be experiencing joy, I don't think, unless I had known, unless you had texted me you know, earlier in the week and said, Hey, 
I'm going to make you some chocolate chip cookies. And you don't get them until Saturday. Oh, ooh. All right, well, how many chocolate chip? I don't know how many chocolate chip. So there's this expecting that takes place, and I'm hopefully looking forward to it. And so you see how this builds on last week when Noel shared with us about hope. And if you remember that hope is in the context of, of the Christmas story and really in the context of all of Scripture, hope is not this, this passive sitting back and just going, well, I hope Jesus shows up. I hope God does this. That's not the idea of hope that we see in Scripture. That's not even the idea of waiting that we see in Scripture. And Noel shared with us very <coughs> appropriately last week how there is an active hope, right? You're actively hoping that you are, there's, there's things that you do because you're expecting something to happen in the future. And that's what this active hope builds into us experiencing joy on the other side. So it's the the culmination of hopeful anticipation. If you don't have anticipation and you don't have hope, then you're not going to experience joy. That's my thesis. So play along, see if you agree with me or not. Um, But if you remember... So these shepherds, you know, the, the, the news from the angel was, I have good news of great joy, right? And the shepherds are like, oh, joy, okay. And if you remember, not everybody experienced joy when Jesus was born, right? Herod, he didn't experience joy. He's like, wait a minute, a king? I'm the king. What do you mean the king? I'm the king. I'm, you're not the king. So he did not experience joy when Christ showed up. Uh, the Pharisees, the other religious leaders of the day, they didn't experience joy because they viewed Jesus as a threat. And can I suggest, see what you think about this. This is just an idea. But I think that part of why the Pharisees didn't experience joy at Jesus' coming is because they'd given up hope. Think about that for a minute. I think they had given up hope. Because if you remember, there are scriptures that those men knew very, very well that said this was going to happen. Right? That this is going to happen. Now, those scriptures were given hundreds of years prior. But it said, this is going to happen. But there will, let's see, so out of, oh, this is out of Isaiah 9. But there will be no more gloom for her who is in anguish. In earlier times he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt, but later on he shall make it glorious by way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. That sound familiar? Yeah. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them, and you shall multiply the nation, and you shall increase their gladness. And and by the way, this gladness here is the same word for joy. I'll, I'll read it again with joy. You shall increase their joy, and they will be joyful in your presence, as with the joy of harvest. There's anticipation, right? Think about a farmer, the plant, expecting things to happen. And they have to wait. And there's nothing they can do to speed up the process, right? I mean, those sweet potatoes that George and Cindy brought this morning, 
it's not, you can't microwave them to make them grow faster, right? I mean, this is, you just have to wait. You put it in the ground, and you do what you can do, hopeful anticipation, right? You expect that if you water it, if you fertilize it, something's going to grow. So there's this hopeful expectancy, but at the end of the day, it's just expectancy because you don't really know. Like, this should happen because it's happened before, but we don't really know. So this, uh, the farmers, the harvest, and man, when, when it all comes in and when you look out in your field and you see your field ripe with the corn or whatever it was you planted and you just see it and it's all there and it all happened and then it's like, oh, this is going to be a good harvest. I can see it. It's going to happen. And then when you get to harvest all that, because remember, a harvest for a farmer equals we get to eat for the next year, right? I mean, this is not just, you know, fun and games. This is, hey, we get to eat for the next year. And they didn't do anything to make it happen other than hopefully, expectantly wait. They did what they could, but at the end of the day, they just had to wait to see what was going to happen. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. That should sound a little familiar. The rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian, for every boot of the booted warrior and so forth, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. This should be sounding very familiar at this point. Nod your head if this sounds vaguely. Okay. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of peace. And it goes on. The Pharisees knew that. They also had Daniel chapter 9. And we don't have enough time for me to go into that. But if you really want to have your mind blown, go read Daniel chapter 9 and the prophecy of the, the 70 weeks. And I promise you, you will be absolutely convinced that every word in here is the truth. You can't ignore it, you can't ignore it when you read Daniel 9. But anyway, so they knew that. They knew that this was promised. They knew that this was foretold, that this was going to happen. There is going to be a Messiah who comes and rescues our people. But they had given up hope on that. They'd given up. They'd taken matters into their own hands. They'd said, you know what? God, you've had about oh, 400 years to do that. So, at this point, we're just going to assume that you've forgotten or you got sidetracked or something. So, we're just going to handle things. And so, they got in this habit of them being the ones to just handle things on God's behalf. And so, when the Messiah did show up, they weren't excited about it. They were threatened by it. Because they had given up hope that God was going to do what He said He was going to do and restore His people. At least that's part of it. But not everybody had given up hope. Not everybody. We've got a story of a couple of people who had been holding out hope for a very long time. Also right there in Luke chapter 2. You might be familiar with them. Simeon and Anna. You remember this? And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. That's the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. Now, he's already an old man. Now, think about that. Now, we don't know when the Lord had given him this promise. Presumably, I think it was quite some time before this event. 
And he's an old man. There would have been the opportunity for him to give up hope, right? Like, you know what? You gave that to me a long time ago. I can't have that much runway left. I, I guess you just forgot. Or maybe I didn't hear you right. Maybe I had indigestion. I don't know. But he did not give up hope. So here's Simeon. He's at the temple. And he came in the spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry, <clears throat> to carry out for him the custom of the law, then Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. I get to have peace. You have fulfilled your promise. This is the child. I know it. And I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it. And I know it. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so then Simeon goes on and blessed him and blesses the family. He'd been waiting. And there's joy right here in what he says. Now, it may not sound like happiness. I mean, he's he's an old man. He's not jumping up and clicking his heels together, right? But it's, ah, yes, Lord. Yes, you came through just like you said you would. Just like you said, now I have peace. Sounds like one of the other candles, right? I get to have peace because you followed through. Your promise was fulfilled. Ah, Joy has filled my heart. And he wasn't the only one. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow, to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So here is Anna, who has been for decades, decades, Serving in the temple, fasting, praying, night and day. Lord, you said it, I'm holding out hope. And I'm not just sitting in the corner, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm serving, I'm doing what I can do. But you said it, so I'm going to hang on to it, because I know you said it. And then she gets to see Jesus. She says, ah, yes, Lord, yes. So at Christmas, we get to celebrate, we get to remember the joy of the culmination of all the prophets from the Old Testament that said, this is going to happen. And it wasn't just the Jews that expected this. You remember the wise men? Remember that story? This story ought to just... They came from the east. Where was the east? Well, we don't know exactly, but a pretty good guess would be Babylon area, right? Because, hey, the Jews were there for 70 years, right? In exile. And then you remember Daniel served in the court of the king of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You remember this? This all happened over in Babylon. And there were these prophecies that happened while they were there in Babylon 
that were really specific time-wise. Daniel chapter 9. It's a whole other sermon. We don't have time for it. Don't read it. Get really curious because it is going to blow you away. But they had that. And they knew this was the time. They knew it was the time. And they were looking expectantly. These guys from the east, from Babylon, from Iraq, had been expectantly waiting, hoping to see the fulfillment of these prophecies that were given to them 400 years ago. Almost 500 years ago. And when they showed up and they saw the star, Matthew tells us they had great joy because they knew, yes, yes, it was right. And we're here to experience it. It was right and we get to experience it. It happened now. Oh, what joy. That expectantly hopeful waiting At the same time, we're celebrating, remembering the first coming of Christ. That should help build hope in us for the second coming of Christ. Right? It should help, like, hey, this happened. This happened. God did what he said he was going to do. And God's not done. He said, I'm coming back. And so there's this expectant waiting that we should be going through right now, expecting for God to do what he said he was going to do. And it's hard, right? It's been a couple thousand years. Like, hey, God, like, you know what time it is? Are you asleep? Maybe he gave up. Maybe we just need to take care of things ourselves, right? So... God, for whatever reason, he's checked out. We just need to handle it ourselves, like the Pharisees. Could I suggest that that would be a terrible mistake? We don't want to give up hope. We have a God who is faithful to his promises. And we can see that over and over, but nowhere more poignantly than in the story of Christmas. The story of Jesus coming. The story of all those prophecies from the Old Testament happening in a single moment. We have hope. And it is not... Just, as Noel said, optimistic thinking, like things are going to get better. It's real hope. It's founded on something real. And it should lead us to be expectantly waiting. You remember the parable that Jesus told about the bridegrooms and you know, the, and, and the, the wedding party and, hey, keeping our, our lamps lit, right, and, and waiting and waiting. And some of them got tired and said, well, I guess it's not coming. You know, blow the lamp out. Uh, we and then they showed up and they were caught unprepared because they had not been expectantly waiting. Man, I think there's a lot in that story. There's a lot in that story about hope and joy and expectantly waiting. He is coming back. And we don't want to be like the Pharisees. We don't want to be like Herod. We don't want to be like those who just gave up hope. We want to wait 
with hope and anticipation that God is going to do what He said He is going to do so that we get to experience the joy that should be ours when Jesus shows up again. Wouldn't you want to experience joy when that happens? Instead of going, whoops. (laughs) It's not pie-in-the-sky hope, folks. This is not make-believe. This is real hope. And it should drive us to expectantly wait for Jesus to come back. And you know what? Just like Scott said a few minutes ago, it happens daily. We get these daily vignettes of Jesus showing up. Anybody ever had prayer answered? Anybody ever had God unexpectedly do something for them? Anybody ever been sitting in a quiet time and just been brought to tears because the Lord revealed Himself? It doesn't happen every time, right? But it happens enough. We should have real hope. And if it hasn't happened for a while, could I suggest that we keep expectantly waiting, hopefully. Like if it's been a long time since you felt like God just showed up while you were reading your Bible, well, don't give up hope, (laughs) right? Because it's happened before. And we can go around the room and we can all share stories about how it's happened. Don't give up hope. Like, keep showing up, expecting that at some point, Jesus is going to show up too. And if you've been praying for something for a long time and you're just going, God, why have you not? I don't understand. I've been praying and I've been praying. And it just, it's like, are you here? Don't give up hope. Keep at it. Keep at it. Because when God does answer that prayer, by the way, he promises that he answers prayer. That's a promise. When he does answer that prayer, you and me will experience the joy that comes from that hopeful anticipation. You don't want to get caught unprepared, right? You go, whoops. And it's not because somehow, you know, listen, it's us that misses out when that happens, right? It's not God. God's no, God doesn't need us to do anything. Can we just establish that right now? He doesn't need you and me to do anything. He breathed and something came from nothing. So he does not need us for anything. But he invites us to participate. Whew, really? That's one of my questions for him. That's the only time I've ever really questioned God's judgment is, like, why in the world would you hang so much on us? Like, why would you invite us to play? Why could you? I mean, that just, because we screw it up all the time. It's like, really, God? Anyway, I'll save that for later. But he invites us so that we get to experience the same joy, the same joy that Anna got to experience and the same joy that Simeon got to experience. He invites us to experience that same joy. So as we celebrate the remembering of 
God showing up and that joy being fulfilled. Let's not forget to build, have that build in us hope that He's coming back. That's not the end of the story. He's coming back, and He promised He would. And yeah, it's been a while, and it's really confusing sometimes. You're like, and you're looking around the world, and you go, hey, like, any time would really be good to come back and set all this right, because this is a mess. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Expectantly wait. And show up daily expectantly waiting. God, I I don't know, but I'm going to show up. Because if you show up, I don't want to miss it. (laughs) So I'm going to keep showing up. Because you've showed up before. And I know you're going to show up again sometime. And when you do, I don't want to get caught unprepared. I want to experience the joy of you showing up. And we can have that joy even in the midst of difficulty. Right? Simeon, Anna, they were old. Like, they got to experience all the stuff that you get to experience when you're old. My dad's favorite saying right now is, getting old's not for sissies. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't, Simeon didn't jump up and click his heels together because he couldn't jump up and click his heels together, right? So it's not that life was perfect. You don't have to have a life that is perfect to experience joy. You just have to be expectantly hoping that Jesus is going to show up so that when he does, it's like, ah, ah, there's so much more than happiness. So much more than happiness. So we're going to pray. And, uh, you know, there's one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament is when Jesus is talking to this guy that's wanting Jesus to, to heal his kid. And, and he's like, oh, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. <laughs> so maybe you need help. Being encouraged. That's why we do this together, folks. It's so we can remind each other, hey, he's going to show up. He's have hope. So if you need help with hope, I'm going to pray here in just a second, but if you need help with hope so that you can be expectantly waiting, then just, you know, we've got our prayer rug over here. I love that. So just migrate over there. And after I pray for all of us, if you want some help, hopefully expecting Jesus to show up. And you need some more prayer, some personal prayer. Just migrate over there, and some of us will be more than happy to come and pray over you so that we can all experience the joy of Jesus showing up 2,000 years ago, today, and whenever he decides to come back. Because we don't want to miss it. We want to celebrate. Jesus, thank you. Oh, thank you that you do love us so much and that you don't leave us without hope. You showed up. You did what you said you were going to do exactly when you said you were going to do it. Lord, it is hard sometimes to have hope. 
the enemy distracts us all the time with what's happening around us and we, we lose the forest for the trees. But Jesus, at this season where we remember the first time when you showed up, we just ask that you would build that hope in us. Build it anew. Build it fresh. We don't want to be caught unprepared and we don't want to be caught having given up hope. We do believe, Jesus. Help our unbelief. Thank you for the ways that you show up every day in our lives. Lord, keep us sensitive to that. Help us to see those times when you show up so that we don't miss it just because we were blind and not looking. Jesus, we do love you, but it's only because you first loved us. And that should should give us great joy. In Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.